You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Scoped Out, Shooting Optics and Accessories. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. Uh, My name is Rusty. This is episode number 51. And in the room tonight, uh, we have Andrew over there. Andrew, how you doing? Yeah, very well. And yourself? Yeah, good, mate. Good. You're looking excited tonight. Anyway, we'll, we'll come I? back. We'll come back to that. You are uh, over in the corner, Greg. You're looking confused now. How are yeah, you, mate? Just that whole excited thing sort of got me a bit worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, mate. Yeah, how are you? Good, mate. And uh, and also not in the room. Uh, Crispy is joining us from Tasmania, mate. How you going? Yeah, good, but broken. <laughs> good, but broken. Tell us what's happened, mate. Oh, I broke my leg about 10 days ago, so, yeah, broke no. the fibula. Oh, no. Ankle. And you're, uh, you're shooting the PRS uh, in Mildura, aren't you? Well, you meant to be. Yeah, I'm up in the air at the moment. So, Limping yeah. around. I don't. I reckon yes. you could probably shoot it in a wheelchair. I was about to say, do they have a wheelchair division? Or oh, I have asked Greg Small about that one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was, oh, mate, that sounds like fun. <laughs> sounds like fun. Cool. And... um. How are we all, gentlemen? We've been shooting or looking at guns or thinking about them or not not at all? I'm pretty sure all of us have been at least thinking about them. Yeah. I haven't been shooting them. I've been doing a lot of brass preparation, but <laughs> that's about the extent of my involvement. Nice. Great. Yeah, now I've been uh, shooting a few foxes and rabbits with the exploding them with the thermal scope on. And, um, yeah, also I finally got my 6x47 sorted on the upper node oh well so, yeah. yeah we're gonna get finally we're gonna get onto that shortly no worries yeah very good crispy you've been you've been shooting or been resting oh, up? i've been researching that's about all i've been doing <laughs> oh, i did did a little bit of brass prep but yeah no researching is about to cut my extent of things oh we, we might have to delve into that as well it sounds quite uh, ominous um <laughs> Well, I've got I've got shooting related news then, just to bring the conversation up. I, I picked up my two to three trainer uh, a week and a bit ago uh, from Ignition Custom, and uh, have put about three hundred rounds through it so far. And you happy? Yeah, very yeah. happy, but very happy, uh, partic- particularly in the the fact that it does feel pretty much exactly my my two sixty. Yeah, which is your primary aim. Yeah, for the whole exercise. Yeah. I don't know if listeners will remember, but we, we discussed it a little bit that it's on a stiller action and I had a Remy action and I was sort of a little bit unsure exactly how similar it would feel. I got the bolt handle changed to pretty much the same feel and I, I reckon I probably couldn't pick the difference too much now um, behind the gun. Yeah, very how good. Yeah, sorry, go on, George. How are you reloading for that, Rusty? Uh, um, this fairly large, well-known OS, uh, ADI company is reloading for me. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> no, the the idea being that it's a um, it's really a bar- yeah. barricade trainer. So yeah, I wasn't sure if you'd be going down the um, the progressive route or yeah, well, buying I, buying ammo. I have got a progressive press, and that certainly could be on the cards. Uh, but um, for the time being, those sixty nine grain um, Sierra Match Kings um, running in the OSA branded ammo um, is doing the job for what I need it to do. Uh, to be fair, I good. haven't pushed it much past 500, but f- if I need to go past that, that's what the 260 is for. And very reasonably priced ammo too, so yeah, you, yeah. you value your time, it's pretty hard to kind of compete with that. Now, most things I have are worthless, but the um, time included, but it's still a lot easier, a lot less effort. All good. 
So, Greg, you've got a um, an email there that came in from uh, a listener. Um, or do you want me to re- read out yeah, or you yeah. read out? You oh. read it, man. I haven't got my glasses. <laughs> I'm old. Okay. All right. Here we go. And it, 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 the first part touches on your um, your six by forty-seven. Um, and uh, are you running one of those, Crispy? Are you? Yeah, I do have one. Yes. Six, yep. Okay. Cool. So uh, it says, "Hey guys, I'm new new to reloading, but atta- the, the attach page caught my eye. Did Greg ever figure out his low velocity problem from last year? Uh, I remember. I seem to remember him mentioning that he didn't pay much attention to cartridge overall length and distance from the lands." Possibly a faulty memory, but um, uh, so he says. No, I think it's about right. Um, so perhaps the attached page is relevant. It mentions the effect of seating depth versus pressure and velocity. The attached page obviously mentions those things. I don't have it directly in front of me. Give us an update on that 6x47, yeah. Greg. No, that's cool. Just just on one thing, I did put actually a lot of thought into overall length. I actually got the chamber and throat cut specifically for a particular type of projectile just so that it was right. set it up at an optimum at 20 thou off. So uh, I had plenty what, of room to burn. Uh, in what term- free bore, Greg? Do you know? All of it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> the answer to that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, you don't have to see the reamer, basically, yeah, or the print. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it depends. No, it's a good I, question, I, mate. I don't, I don't sure. actually know the answer to that one. Um, but, um, yeah, so basically I was pretty happy with, I started off with 2209. I got on a bottom node. It was a very good accuracy node. I was super happy. Um, but then I tried to get to the upper node or up, up around 3,100 feet per second was my target from the beginning. Um, and I couldn't get there. I couldn't find a, a node above it before pressure set in. So um, pressure signs started to become obvious. So I um, I ended up getting some data put into, what's that thing called? Quick load. Quick load, thank you. And it actually identified both nodes, the time in barrel. Um, and with 2209, I was in basically the danger area for pressure. Um, but it did recommend... We noticed 2213 SC as possibly making it pressure-wise, but capacity might have been an issue. So um, it was like 110% uh, capacity. But anyway, I, I put a load set together based around that, that quick load data, and um, I ended up hitting that upper node without like a true compressed load. Like I reckon the bottom of the projectile was just resting on top of the powder. So okay. I've ended up with a pretty full case um, without crunching down on it at all. Um, and I've hit the node. So I'm I'm really happy at the moment. So I just need to get out and get some data. And I haven't cronied it yet, but I've got the node like in terms of accuracy on paper. Yeah, It's nice. a clear and obvious node. Yeah. So George, with your 6x47, what powder do you run? Yeah, I run two to a nine. Mine's at a shorter freebore of about ninety thousand, so it's like the bullets in the case a little bit. And I'm only yeah, I'm haven't got as much powder in there as what some other guys are running to get that sort of. And I'm sort of at that thirty seventy mark with a twenty six inch barrel. So because mm, I, I just read well in the last few weeks, I sort of certainly mentioned it to you, Greg, but. Um, I was reading about guys in the States shooting 6x47s with uh, Reloader 17. And yeah. one guy was, was getting consistently getting sort of considerably over 3,200 feet a second with a 110 grain Sierra. Mm. And, you know, that was, uh, his loads were, you know, he showed his brass, he, he showed the readout on the chronograph. So 
sort of, I guess, like anything here, it's trying to find the stuff. But mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. certainly, I mean, you know, to push 110 grain bullet at, well, I think he was getting 32, 45 was his average. Yeah, out of that case. Yeah, and it's pretty... you know, single digit standard deviation that's mm. that'd be the one to try if you could get it. Mm. Yeah, I did push mine fairly hard, and I think I got it up around that 3200 with it. Two to nine. Yep. Would be would have been up there pressure wise, I'm guessing too. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was up there. Mm. So I turned it back. It's the magic 3200. Sorry, I, I was thinking, Greg, when you, you said danger area, and I was thinking, if we were a real radio show, I'd like press a button and Danger Zone would play. Uh, anyway, the things that I aspire to, uh, you know, the things I hope for. So. That high production standard. That's right. I don't actually know what you guys are talking about. That's all I could think about yeah. was a, was Danger Zone. Um, so what were we talking about? Shooting. Right. Um, uh, there was more to that, that uh, email. And it was from James, by the way. Uh, James, thanks for emailing in. Now, he did mention that he um, he does another or puts another point forward, uh, which is... Uh, that we were talking at some point about fast versus slow, uh, sorry, light and fast versus slow and heavy projectiles and barrel wear. Do you guys remember talking about that at all? Yeah, I do, do remember. It was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty early days. Um, anyway, he's included a comment, I say comment, uh, a page from uh, a guy from, oh, Kevin, is it Ke- uh, Kevin Thomas from um, Lapio, USA. And it says this, bear with me. The answer is uh, answer here is yes. Heavy bullets do wash out barrels faster than light ones, all else being equal. A complex equation going on here, but I, having shot out scores of barrels over the years, it's been my observation that in any calibre, in any chambering, the use of heavier bullets is harder on barrels and gives shorter accuracy life than does a lighter bullet. In the example you're talking about here, a 55 versus a 45 grain bullet, I think the difference would be hard to discern. Comparison between the 50 to 55 against the 77 to 80 is the sort of difference I'm referring to here. Uh, Obviously, this is taken from somewhere because it says then Frank mentioned our conversation from a time back, but he's a bit off on what I said about friction. I think that has little, if anything, to do with this phenomenon. I suspect it has everything to do with dwell time, i.e. how long the bullet spends getting off the throat uh, uh, upon firing. Uh, basically, the longer, heavier bullets have more inertia and it takes mm. more time to get them moving down the bore. This translates into a lo- slightly longer time at all that hot gas is in the throat area, all the while doing its inevitable damage to the throat. Sectioning a shot-out barrel or even looking at one through a bore scope shows this quite plainly. The area ahead of the throat is badly cracked and eroded, while from this point forward the barrel looked virtually untouched. Uh, flip side to this is that the heavier bullet offers better performance at distance and hence uh, the logical choice for such applications. No such thing as a free lunch, except when Greg's paying. And when you need the performance, uh, you have to match the bullet load to the application. Uh, don't get attached to your barrel. They're strictly replacing part, temporarily attached to your action. They're expendable in the only way. Not to wear them out is to not use them. Um, mm. Any thoughts on, on that one? Makes sense. Yeah, good. Bit hard to argue with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good good little article. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, James, good find, mate. Um, I don't know exactly where you've seen that or where that's been taken out of, um, but that's, yeah, it looks really, uh, really good. Um James does say if this contribution is good enough to win me a coffee mug, I definitely want it signed by the Twistmaster, oh. otherwise known as Greg. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, mate. We've only got one uh, coffee mug left, and uh, it's f- it's 
being given away on a different competition, which uh, well, we may as well bring up. Um, what we uh, what we do want to hear is for you guys to send in a quick little voice recording of uh, the couple of things you would do differently if you started shooting this. We're actually going to be running this comp through to the uh, after the PRS in June. So flick us a quick um, audio file on your phone. Uh, it's not hard to do if you guys have done it. And um, send that through and uh, yeah, you go into the chance of winning one of those coffee mugs. And uh, if you we can get Greg, the twist master, to sign it on request or not touch it at all, uh, depending which way you uh, <laughs> you prefer. <laughs> so we'll of the fence. So <laughs> on a somewhat related topic, George, what uh, what twist rate do you have on your six mil, by the way? <laughs> I've got a, I'm with Greg here. I'm one and eight. Oh, so. To the stuff we that. know that everyone else doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Brian Litz doesn't know anything, does he, Greg? <laughs> I've got a one in seven point two coming. So good, good. Yeah. Ah, so you've seen the light. Optimum. That's even faster than optimum, Greg. That's even better. <laughs> I was thinking about these one ten Sierras. Yeah, that that'll do it. Well, I do have my name on. I can't remember how many hundred I told him, but uh, a quantity of uh, one fifteen grain detax. So mm. that should be interesting. I just bought. I just bought some of them as well. Fifteen hundred of them. So. Oh, you got more money than Greg then, haven't you? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I'm just stupid. <laughs> He's asset rich. <laughs> unless it uh, un- unless it works well, then you're not so stupid. Uh, well, they're still they're still worth the money until I put them through my barrels. So, yeah. <laughs> and then if you miss the target, they're still you know you can sort of polish them up a little bit, and that's to be worth yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Give them to Greg. It might balance for his twist rate. Um, so the other thing we're going to um, bring up was the uh, the latest. Um, uh, what the pros use, uh, or the latest one we saw, uh, which was about actions. Andrew, have you, you've you've lost it there. <laughs> it's yeah, Andrew. I'm Andrew's challenged it. with technology. Yeah, um, you gave technology to Andrew. That's not <laughs> yeah, no, I, I haven't done this. We'll pass it over, mate. We'll get you in. There's a button here you press, and when you press that button, you can put in uh, the best caliber in the world with a zero on the end of it, and you'll end up exactly uh, at what you want to look at. <sighs> I shoot stuff. I don't play with computers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. So um, uh, let's have a little look. Have you seen this one, uh, Crispy? Oh, I've got it in front of me. Oh, yeah. good man. Any of, have a, you want to give us the, the, top, the top ones? Oh, well, Greg's leading the, leading the board with Defiance. Well, yes. he actually owns a top four, so. Um, <laughs> four? Really? <laughs> a few recent purchases. Uh, yep, Defiance, 30% of the actions. Obviously, that includes um, a few uh, renames of like Gap, Gap uh, what is it, the Tempest, is it, or the yeah. Templar? Templar, uh, I think, one, yeah. one, Templar, yep. And then Surgeon with 18%, uh, Impact Precision, which is, is that Wade Studeville, is it? Uh, he's involved, Rusty? yeah, mate. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's yep. um, 12%. Uh, Accuracy International at 11%. Uh, Bighorn Actions, the TL3, I suppose, is the 7%. Uh, Stiller, they've got a few different ones now, don't they? Yeah, yeah uh, got a bunch. it's 7%. Uh, Kelblies, the Atlas at 5%. Uh, the Morsingfield at 4%. And Remington 700, 4%, and the Badger, which is a clone of the Accuracy International, if I'm correct, is 2%. Effectively, yeah. Yep, pretty similar. 
That's I mean that's yeah. a pretty pretty dominant uh, showing by Defiance, really. Yeah. You think about mm. it, it's like nearly Definitely. double, not far off double the next uh, next best yeah, option. Yeah, quite significant. There's a couple of questions about. I don't know if guys have experience with this one's uh, Bighorn. Um, I've not I've not heard of them, but someone put up on uh, on Facebook the other day on a post we did here or Impact Dynamics and, and said Bighorn uh, perhaps one to watch. Not one I've heard of before. Yeah, I, look, I've heard of them. I, I haven't actually handled one. I believe they're like effectively a external sort of Remington clone. Yep. I'm not sure. I'm sure I'll be able to be corrected on this, whether they have a like a floating bolt head type design, like the Savage. Yeah, they do, yeah. 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 Um, but sort of, I think they take, you know, they'll be compatible with Remington 700 inlets, for example, and, and triggers, yep. triggers, I believe, too. So. Yeah, cool. Have you played with one of those, Crispy? No, I've, I looked into them when I was, but I, when I bought my Defiance, but because I like oh, the Greg, idea of being Greg's able. smiling. <laughs> I looked in, yeah, because uh, you can change the bolt head from, say, a, a um, well, from any any of the sizes. Yeah, from really. anything. So, like a three hundred eight bolt face down to a two two three bolt face, or up to a, a Magnum bolt face. That's on the big horns. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's it does make sense that the the floating bolt head design is sort of, I guess, you know, conducive to accuracy. And hence, some would say that's probably the only reason why savages are accurate. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't have any experience with savages, but no, not personally. But I mean, they you know didn't didn't you shoot one at the? Were you lucky enough to shoot one at the PRI? Did you shoot? Well, I else? I actually was. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you had some experience with one, mate. That, that was Greg's. Favorite I didn't rifle. didn't have time to look at it. Sorry, <laughs> true, true. Um, the uh, the impact precision one, the one you um you said was a. Uh, uh, Way was involved with. I have managed to shoot one of those, and yeah, re- really nice. I can certainly see why they're they're in contention. Um, yeah, that was you know it's on par with those other actions above it. The surgeons and the defiance. It's a really nice setup. Yeah, really nice. See, one one that isn't mentioned there is the the gap tempest. I oh, know that was that was interesting. I don't know why it isn't mentioned. Well, I mean, this is probably a. Well, I guess it's probably not, or is it not mentioned because people weren't using it, or? Oh, George Gardner would have been using it for sure, wouldn't he? But, yeah, yeah, anyway. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Um, are they, oh, they're, they're not, they're, they're, they are their own actions, are they, the Tempest? Yes. Yeah, yep. okay. Well, George didn't, uh, depends how this is pinged, because George didn't shoot the finale, he was a match director for it. Oh, yeah. So I don't there know if go. that has a play on, on who they yeah. ask about this one. Um, yeah, there you go. Perhaps so. Maybe, maybe that's still. But obviously, there was. They did say that there was some of the uh, Templars um, uh, present, although I'm not sure they gave us a breakdown of how many. But yeah, no, interesting to see. Not not necessarily surprising though. I, I'm a little bit surprised there wasn't more of a showing from Stiller, um, or at least okay. actions yeah. manufactured by Stiller. They're one of those mm. companies that that do make actions, you know. Under, yeah, similar to Defiance. Yeah. yeah, you know, for a lot of people, well, more so with Stiller, I think, George. I think they, they do a lot a lot of actions for a lot of different companies. Yeah. Okay. You know, just so I would have thought, just weight of numbers, there would have been a few more. But mm. I guess it'd be interesting to see the sort of year-to-year trend on, on what stays at the top, if anything stays clearly at the top. You know, whether, you know, Defiance bring out a new action and it sort of becomes the the latest and greatest or whether, you know, something else comes out and takes over or... 
Well, I, I did release the um, the video that we did with Scott Satterley over in the um, over at the Defiance booth at Shot Show. Um, put that up the other day, um, just after Scott actually shot that action, which I think they're called an XM, uh, but they're a prototype action and, and used it in a PRS comp, uh, which is like a, a, a true medium action. It sits between a standard short and long, um, okay. and it's a modified AI uh, 308 magazine with a little bit more um, seating depth because he shoots a 6.555 improved, so sort of... I was about to say, I wonder what market they're catering for there. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, you certainly hear complaints with the AI mags of particularly 260s, trying to seat them all the way out as far as you can and and, and just you struggle to do it. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the 6.5 Psalms and the, yeah, and the, even the 284s and, and the yeah, 6.5, well, 2.84. Yeah, well, that case is pretty much a medium-length case anyway. Mm. Yeah, it's midway between the sort of longs and shorts. WSMs, yeah. Yeah, so there probably there probably is a few things that, that certainly could work for it. Um, yeah, interesting to see. So uh, uh, I was saying before, got, sorry. has Greg got one yet? Is he's got two? Oh, no, no, I haven't, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to. Yeah, they just they just ran out. They want to get it right before they give it to the boss. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's shaking his head. Good. Um, I'm I'm trying to think if we did the other one of the other. There's some other stuff up on um, Precision Rifle Blog for what the pros use, which was the chassis or stocks. But I honestly can't remember if we covered that. Um, Anyway, uh, if someone someone tell us if we did, if we did, great. If we didn't, well, we'll we'll talk about it in another show, perhaps. I struggle to remember what we recorded two weeks ago. I'm still on danger zone, mate. Yeah, still on danger zone. Um, so the. Uh, another que- couple of questions we had come through, and these probably great for you to be involved with, Chris, because you've shot a number of sort of PRS style matches, um, yep. and obviously aiming towards the uh, PRS wheelchair edition um, in June. <laughs> so this is from a, a, um, a bloke called Sean who has entered the PRS in production class. Um, first time shooting this type of thing. He's got to keep it under 5K. So for those who are uh, listening and not familiar with it, production class in PRS in Australia has a $5,000 limit on the optics and rifle uh, with very, very um, controlled modifications that are allowed. Um, I have a difficult decision to make, he goes on to say. I have a choice of using either a Ruger Precision in 308 with a US Optics LR17 or a Lithgow Arms crossover 102 in 243 with a Vortex Razor Gen 2. Could you please discuss pros and cons of each? I reload as well. Um, the twist rate of the 243 win is 1 in 10, uh, so it perhaps limits him in using uh, heavier projectiles. The twist rate in the 308 is also 1 in 10. Um, and he also asked supplementary question, what projectile would suit PRS comps for the 243 given the twist rate limitation? Any ideas? I, I'd say, like, a, to me, it's a pretty clear, you know, there wouldn't be a lot of lot of um, decision-making required there. I mean, the, the Ruger and 308 would definitely be, in my view, the more suited rifle than the Lithgow. Um, Why do you say that? Well, one, I think it's... It's a adap- sort of it's adaptability in that it you can use multiple different magazine types. You can use you know certainly use ten round magazines in it, and I believe the Lithgow doesn't have ten round mags. I think it's 
Does it use the uh, the lucky thirteens for the tickers will fit in the, the Yeah, scope. but you need to use a step ladder so it doesn't hit the ground when you're shooting it. We don't know how tall the guy is. Okay, well, let's just presume he's a normal <laughs> height human. Sure. Yep. So so my thoughts are basically the Lithgo is set up as a hunting rifle effectively. Whereas the the Ruger is set up fairly well aimed directly at this kind of competition shooting. Uh, it allows you a lot more variation in you know where you put your bipod and you know, how you set it up, what magazines you use, um, you know the the adjustments on the stock, um, and and particularly given the fact as well that the two four three that he mentioned with a ten twist barrel you're severely limited on what projectiles you can use, i.e. You'd, you'd, I'm not even sure you'd be able to use like a ninety five grain burger or something like that. It's really more aimed at you know sort of under that weight, you know, or, you know, 100 grain soft point hunting bullets, it's really not a, you know, to use sort of the optimal projectile, which would be sort of a 105 to 110 grain bullet, you know, for maximum efficiency at long range, you, you will not be able to use it in that Lithgow to start with. So you, you're really limiting your, your projectile choice down to projectiles that certainly aren't ideal. Um, I think that the Ruger... In 308 has a one in ten, which will allow you to use you know, right up to the heavier 30 cal bullets that you'd want to use anyway, like a 175 or something like that. So yeah, to me, if I had the two side by side, it wouldn't be a a, a, a consideration at all. I'd take the Ruger any day. Yeah, I'm with you, Andrew. I think um, yeah, the adaptability of the Ruger precision compared to the Lithgow. I mean. Uh, just there's no aftermarket accessories for the Lithgow and as you, you can't really upgrade it from what I know of them. Very minimal, but I think, yeah. With the with the 243 and 1 in 10 twist, so actually, well, I've got a 1 in 10 twist barrel for my 6 mm uh, by 47 and um, I was doing a bit of research on that and what, bet, what the pills are, I could use and I worked out that well, with the 3,200 feet per second limit with the PRS matches, um, the the Berger Classic Hunter 95 grain is quite, well, not, not super stable, but it is quite stable, and I think well, that'd be by far the best pill available from what I could find. Yeah, and look, just uh, probably worth mentioning that he doesn't specify here why the Ruger would be limited to 308. I mean, if the Ruger was available in um, 65 uh, so, grade more. So he has both guns. Oh, he's got both. He's okay. got both yep. guns. So he has a Ruger precision in 308 and the crossover in 243. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in that, that case, I would still still stick with the Ruger personally. I think, I think the LR17 is more than a capable scope for what we do. So. Yeah, having US not, optics. yeah, I haven't actually used US optics personally, but they certainly there's a lot of guys that do, and they've certainly got a good reputation. Yeah, yeah. so I, I um I'm going to take the other the other view because I'm I'm actually in the middle, but I'll 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 go with the other one. Um, one because I'd love to see Lithgo um involved in the event, like in terms of actually guns getting used. Um, given that this event is 600 meters and he's got both guns. I I think he at six hundred meters. I think the two four three might be the better choice, or on, at least certainly it wouldn't lose anything to the three oh eight given the distance. If it was a twelve hundred meter comp, 
sure. Yeah, is is he talking about this one specific competition, or is he talking about PRS in general, where you know there certainly will be comps is, coming up? He is talking about this this particular one. He owns both guns, and he's got both those setups, and they both fall under five grand. If he swaps scopes, they don't. Um, hence the reason the scopes are limited to which ones he wants. But he, he is asking about this particular comp. Um, he perhaps doesn't clarify it here. You're right. Um, but he has he has said that um, in other communication, which wasn't through the podcast. So, um, yeah, I I, I don't think I, I think I said to Sean when I when I spoke to him, he rang rang me separately. Um, I said choose whichever one you're most familiar with. Yeah, whatever you shoot best, really. Yeah, I mean. whatever shoots yeah. most accurate. <laughs> but he said they were both brand new and he hadn't really shot either one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, so uh, look, I'm not going to disagree with the fact that the Rug is probably the one that's most sensible to uh, utilise across across the board. However, you won't be able to shoot in New South or shoot a Darwin match or shoot in Queen, uh, no, Queensland's all right. Um, but there'll be a number of places you won't be able to shoot with that that rifle the longer folder. term. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, I don't know. Um, it's a consideration. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I did the drops on the uh, two four, the 95 grain um, burger at 3200, which you should be able to get comfortably, I would have thought. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it was similar drop to the 105. It was 3.5 mil at 600, and there was about 0.4 mil uh, more wind at 10 mile an hour. So out of I think the think the 105 was about one mil, and the the 95 grain classic hunter was 1.4 mil at 10 mile an hour. Which you look at it that you know percentage wise is considerably more. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Be interesting to compare that against what the whatever pill he chooses in a 308 for the Ruger though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting uh, situation. I, I think in, given the, the limitation of the competition he's talking about, it could probably go either way. But given general, yeah, the 308, the Ruger is probably the, the sensible one. What will be interesting is if uh, uh, Lithgow decide to bring out, you know, a rifle sort of more aimed at this market, you know, maybe a chassis-style design, something that uses maybe AI-compatible magazines... You know, with a, yep. a suitable twist barrel, so probably not going to have Greg, be, on, the, Greg yeah. on the design team. But be interesting <laughs> to see if um, any of the Australian chassis makers end up inletting for them. Well, it'd be good yeah. to see sort of a, maybe a collaboration yeah. where they you know release a factory rifle, you know, utilising an Australian-made yeah. chassis would sort of be a win-win. I think you know, and if they could keep it in sort of competition with the Ruger, that'd be fantastic. Well, let's uh, let's see it happen because I, you know, I mean, we'd yeah you know, we'd love to all have Lithgow's pr- really present, reading back through the what the pros use of the Australian users, uh, uh, use and and love to see Lithgow as a dominant force in there because then you know mm. Greg would probably buy that as well. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's a shame they bought out the one in eight though, uh, one in ten twist rather than a one in eight, isn't it? Yeah, but it I mean that particular rifle was not aimed at. This market, you know, the, the PRS longer yeah. shooting, it's mm. it's a hunting rifle. Mm. So, yep. you know, 100 grand soft point would be about the yeah. the limit of what they're looking at and, and it probably does that job very well. Well, with the growth of the uh, the competition scene and growth of the amount of shooters, hopefully mm. we see the growth of the uh, the industry here as well. It would be wonderful to see. 
So, Georgia, um, I guess we got you got you on to have a little bit of a chat and, and tell us a bit about your journey um, shooting-wise. Where, where's, where did the interest come from and what's, what brought you to this point chatting to us? Yeah, well, I suppose I uh, grew up on a farm, so I've been down in Tasmania, so I've been shooting vermin since I was quite little, just with a twenty-two and whatnot, and um, yeah. then I moved... Um, yeah, I went to university and or boarding school and then university, so it sort of never never did a hell of a lot of shooting. But sort of after, I've always had a lot interest in sort of the longer range shooting and and whatnot. But I sort of didn't get involved uh, until about after I left uni when I bought a 308 Remington. Did a little bit there until well, for five years, and then what in 2000. And I think it was either yeah, it was about early 2015. I bought myself a reloading kit, and I saw that that opened the can. I suppose haven't, <laughs> haven't had money ever since. Yeah, that's ex- <laughs> pretty much it. And uh, yeah, and then I started reloading for that 308, and then I soon um, picked up a uh, 6.5 Creedmoor off used guns and. With a Remington, which I, I shot, and then what? A, all of a year later, I went and shot your competition, Rusty, and yeah, yeah, and I've uh, been hooked ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose, I suppose, researching like about PRS in the states is really, um, like that type style of shooting has just attracted me because it's just so dynamic and everything's different like never never anything really the same and you never know what to expect and and it's a lot more practical than what like uh, f-class and benchress shoot rifle shooting is and um it's just, yeah it really um it really intrigued me and and then of course you get on to researching like precision rifle blog where they've got all the what the pros use and they did that big scope review and and yeah, and you you get hooked in, and you you're always looking for the best gear. And <laughs> what what's the uh, sort of the interest in in long range shooting like down there in Tassie, George? Like, is there is yeah, something I've, you know you you're struggling to find other guys that are interested, or no? I've I've, I've there's not a hell of not a heap of us, but there's obviously the F class scenes and target rifle scenes. Sort of, there's a few guys doing that, but they're all sort of in their sixties and. 70s. I'm not sure if it's any different where you guys are, but no, that's pretty much sums it up. Yeah, well, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not not to be entirely. I'll, I'll get but I, to that yeah. in a minute. But yeah, I had a mate. Uh, well, I've got a mate that um, he was in the army, and he came back, and he sort of went and bought himself an AI. Uh, no, sorry, he had a DTA to begin with, and and then he's got now he's got himself an AI, and he sort of. Had a couple of mates that shot, and I sort of went and saw them, and then do it, and I was like, oh yep, I'm keen, and went and bought my first stuff, and yeah, I've been just going down this path ever since. So yeah, so in, in going back to how many guys shoot down here, like there's a few, there's not a hell of a lot up, up north, or well, not that I've found, um, but I've got a sort of a core group of mates, sort of four or five of us that we shoot, well we do shoot, but when we get together. 
every blue moon, I suppose. So, so where are you down in uh, southern Tassie? Are you, George? No, no, we're in. I'm in the northern Tassie, so okay, Midland, yep. northern Midlands. Yeah, so, yeah, yep. consistent to south of Launceston. Obviously, still still developing technology down there. We keep dropping out <laughs> every time you try to say Launceston. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Stop <laughs> saying it. Just call it Northern Hobart. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nice. Andrew, so you were going to bring something up? Yeah, I just just briefly, like we we shouldn't slag off F class shooters too much because uh, we, we had uh, you know one of our one of our friends and listeners to the show, I believe, who who did very well with the uh, the national F class shoot they just had recently here. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's certainly a yeah. It may not be everybody's cup of tea, but the guys still you know the the, the competitive successful oh, guys. It's yeah, they they're knowledgeable guys. Yeah, just uh, they choose to shoot a boring discipline. <laughs> <laughs> they perhaps not as uh, a physically demanding discipline. No, it, you're not giving me anything. You're going with boring, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. Because right. if it, that was the case, I would shoot F class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and brilliant! And so, what are you? What's uh, your main or off at the moment, Crispy? What are you running? Yeah, I uh, managed to pick up a one of Greg's actions. The defiance <laughs> Good and yeah I picked up that off uh, got a steal off used guns thank you nice and um, yeah it was exactly what I wanted so I couldn't say no yeah brilliant and that's that's a um, set up as a switch barrel rifle actually so I've got a, a uh, 6.5 Creedmoor barrel and a 6.5 2 6.5 mil by 47 Lapua barrels uh, one in eight one one in eight twist and one one in ten twist, which I'm not sure really what to do with. <laughs> Just send it over here, Greg will use it. <laughs> he'll, he'll run one fifteens down that. Yeah, sure. No problem at all. I'll get it right. <laughs> Make it work. Um yeah, nice. Hey um Greg, you uh, you and I heading over to shot. Yes. Next week. Yeah, next week. A shot expo in uh, Melbourne. You're not going over there at all, Crispy, are you? Or you can't walk at the moment. No, I can't walk, so no. No, I'm not allowed on the plane with a, with a cast, apparently. Yeah, right. Okay, good. Um, is that with a cast or just in general? Oh, probably in general, yeah. <laughs> cool. Greg, you um, anything particularly you, you're looking forward to? You're running, you're, you're running, you're working on, no, you're running, you're running the STS stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just uh, helping out on the STS stand, selling um, still targets. Um, but yeah, for me, I'm, I'm still very much in my thermal side of things. So there's a new range of Pulsar yeah. thermals out. So I'll be checking those out for sure. Um, is that that one I tagged you in that photo the other day? Yeah, that's one of them. That yeah, yeah. looked impressive. Very yeah. impressive. Yeah. So they're full of new features and bells and whistles. Okay. So Extra vision going to be at the show? They're at the last one. So I assume so. I, I yeah. assume so. I, I haven't checked, but I'm sure they've got a private suite booked for you. Yeah, they usually have a pretty big set they bloody want to have, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they're yeah. pretty good dudes in there, so I'll go have a chat and um They're yeah. whining and dining you, are they good? <laughs> <laughs> they're good. Man, I'm gonna get some fringe benefits out of this <laughs> podcast, I tell you. <laughs> the um the yeah, I'm, I think there's some some interesting stuff actually. I've noticed with this probably this uh, event more than any previous ones. There's people saying they're announcing this or launching that, um, perhaps more so, which is really exciting to see. Um, one of the ones I know that we're going to see some sort of next elevate uh, next um, 
uh, what's the word, the next level, the next generation of um, the Oztec Arms chassis, which I'm looking really, really good. Can't, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I know Beretta um, have a new range that they've now do, uh, distributing. Um, the name escapes me. I should remember it, but it's along the precision rifle sort of side of things a little bit more. Um, so you think it's sort of more going down the, the US shot sort of line of you know, companies using that event as uh, you know, releasing new products rather than just another gun show? Yeah, maybe. Maybe ma- maybe headed that way. Not to the, obviously not to the extent of shot, but um, the... Yeah, seeing a few more, more, and more sort of reasons to sort of really see what's coming out, and be lots of mm. photos and bits and pieces out of it. So, yeah, um, um, probably one other thing I'll be on on the lookout for is a better rangefinder than what I've got now. So, yep. I think those Sig ones are they they out in Australia yet? Yeah, 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 yeah I think so. So it'd be good to have a look at. And and the other thing is, you know, like Bluetooth enabled type gadgetry. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> I, I ideally want a really good long-reaching rangefinder that Bluetooths to a Kestrel. Yeah. I've got the Connex, or Connex, yeah, Connex, um, Bushnell Connex, but it's it's probably a bit limited. It's not, yeah, you know, up to about a K-ish, um, which is good in most scenarios, but, yeah, in some scenarios it's, it's a little bit uh, lacking. Yeah. So I just need something with a bit more reach. So it'd be good to see anything new in that. Yeah, hopefully those SIGs are there. Are you, um, are you running a rangefinder, Crispy? Of course you would be. What are you? Yeah, yeah, I've got, a, uh, I've got a Terrapin, actually. So. Ah, right. Good good man. Greg, Greg yeah, lashed out. Well, in all seriousness, Vectronics, there they go. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah, can't get past that. Are you thinking about <laughs> doing, with your thermal, Greg, are you thinking about doing a rifle-mounted one or yeah, that's that's sort of another side sort of configuration. I want one for long range hunting in the Flinders, which will be more a handheld yep. type range finder, hopefully Bluetooth to Kestrel. Uh, the one for thermal, I just want a, um, a sort of side mounted, uh, like real time. What, what's the, the one? Silencer Co. Yeah, You've silent. seen that one, Crispy? Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't yeah, seen it. It, it, it's a pretty good system, basically. Um, yeah. You know, mounts on the on the firearm somewhere. It's pretty adaptable as to where, allows you to basically zero in you know, mm. relation to your scope. So you just basically, yeah. Mm. So you'd have to use holdover mostly, or we'll dial after. Yeah, um... yeah, that's the plan. And it's, with the thermal, it's not really a well. My particular one I have at the moment, it doesn't have a high level of zoom. So mm-hmm. it, it's although it's got a calibrated crosshair, it it it, it is not. Um, you know, an ideal long range setup. It's more just for, you know, when, when you're getting out around those sort of two, three hundred ish meters sort of mark on the two, two, three, just to get those drops right. Um, and also, I mean, it, it's sort of, I went out only that one time with you with that, but uh, it, it's pretty difficult to, to judge depth perception. Yeah. It really, absolutely. like, you've got nothing other than this white flat image target and it's yeah. really difficult. You can't tell how far the trees are away. And Yeah. And, it, and you know, I'm not the greatest. You know, natural ranger of distance anyway, um, and then through that, it's a, it's very flat, with no depth perception or very little de- depth per- perception. So, yeah, just something on the side there that just gives me a real time uh, range is is another thing I want to do. Um, wonder, yeah, I wonder if you could mount the um, a sig because they're quite small, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Mm. I, I haven't even looked into them at all to know whether they've got say a 
a thread, you know, which would sort of thread a standard tripod mount into or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the Stig 2400 comes with uh, like a, a holder, I think. What yeah, about they, the, the they 20? With a little mount that the, holds them. The 2200 was actually ranges further, doesn't it? Is it considered yeah, to be further? Yeah, considered to be further, that's right. But it comes with the same mount where it has a tripod, uh, the, the quarter inch um, screw in the bottom. I don't suppose you know, Rusty, whether they're uh, Bluetooth enabled or not. Probably You're not. You're right. No, I guess. don't. I don't know that. Um, but I don't. Think I don't. They I are. don't think they are. No, because no, I, I certainly I haven't seen them advertising their compatibility with any. Yeah, I think that's really system. just sort of emerging. Yeah. They're, they're, I think future products. I think will start to really show it. Yeah. Well, I guess while we're sort of talking about this particular topic, we've or I've spoken about before. Um, you know, getting a Bluetooth module for my Victronics PLRF10. Yep. And, yeah, I was, uh, was going to ask you about that. Yeah, downrange systems were, well, we're certainly talking about it. Um, and I got back in touch with them the other day and to see where we were at and it unfortunately shelved the idea for the time being. Um, oh, while they're no, that's another. no good. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it sort of the in correspondence I had with uh, Nick Vitalbo from uh, Envisti, I think is the correct yeah, terminology. Sounds, yeah, sounds right, we, we're going to be having him on uh, on some podcasts. So he is heavily involved with the development of that yeah. product. And yeah, so we, we um, get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah, and he said they're sort of looking at other options as far as using existing um, hardware rather than trying to develop a product from scratch. So okay, yeah, that's a good one. And uh, interesting talking about uh, laser wind reading. Which yes. would be. Uh, I've got lots of questions. That's one I'm really looking forward to talking to him about. Right up yeah. Greg's alley, that one. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll grab that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you actually won't have to get out of bed soon, Greg. You can just have your rifle set up and it'll shoot no, stuff no, all by long, itself. As long as the thing falls over at the other end of the <laughs> shot, I'm happy. Yeah, that's right. It's a good way to be. Um, speaking of guests that we're going to have on, um, uh, those guys who follow the PRS may know of Paul Reed. Uh, Paul is an Australian guy living in Texas, and he shoots PRS and is very competitive. You, you'd be following Paul um, Crispy, wouldn't yeah, you? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So he's on. Uh, he's chatting to us next week uh, at some point. Oh, so good. there will be an episode, and, and it's going to be a bit for those guys who are shooting PRS uh, or want to get into it. We're going to sort of break it down because obviously he's at the within the top 10 PRS shooters in the US and uh, sponsored by or shoots for Team Stur- Surgeon. Uh, so he's very, very good at what he does. Um, so we're going to be taking um, taking some time to sort of go through some of his tips and and ways he goes about things and try and put that out there for guys who are shooting um, uh, shooting PRS over there, over here, over there, over here. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know if anyone noticed, but we um, we managed to sneak our way onto the Precision Rifle Media podcast the other day. Myself and special. I did see that. <laughs> yeah, which uh, which is uh, really uh, really interesting. But the good news about that um, is that Kirk from Precision Rifle Media is coming on this podcast soon as well. Oh, nice. So yeah, so we've got some some good interesting people lined up to uh, have a bit of a chat with uh, over the next coming uh, couple of months. Suspect, um, no doubt. Greg, we'll probably end up doing a podcast over at in Melbourne. Yeah. After yeah, the yeah. show. We'll see what we can grab while yeah. we're over there. Oh yeah, absolutely, yep. carefully. But you know, <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be good. Mm. Um, and we've just been cranking some Facebook live, so I'm going to get rid of that. That's good. Now my arm's sore from holding the camera up. Um, and so, uh, I guess it would be interesting to see if there's anything people want us to check out. 
Um, I know we're going to be flat out. You're on the STS stand. I'll be on the projectile warehouse stand. I am doing a little talk uh, about precision rifle shooting from main stage on the Saturday, I think about 3, maybe 3.30, and on the Sunday about 1 or 1.30 or something like that. Um, yeah, so if anyone's going to have a stop by and see that and have a chat, that would be wonderful to do. Um, but if there's anything you guys want us to check out while we're there, please let us know. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's hear all the requests come in there, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's scared. You're writing them down or what? I've, I've written them all down so far. <laughs> <laughs> just to, just, just uh, check out what Greg pays interest in because it uh, could well be one of his future purchases. <laughs> 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 I'm waiting for him to walk in the, uh, the, the main hall and just go, I'll take it. <laughs> buy, buy shares before he buys anything. <laughs> you know, Greg, at this rate, you probably will win the uh, the lotto tomorrow night, and you will actually be in this position. Yeah, where all these things may come true. No, oh, mate, happiness is a lotto win away. <laughs> it really is. I, I like how you value happiness. It's, uh, I just go with a warm barrel. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you get that by shooting lots of rounds, which you buy with winning lotto. No, I just yeah. warm the barrel up and put it on the fire. That's, that's the way I get the barrel warm. Okay, come on, I'm, I'm running like a very heavy barrel with a two, two, three in it. Yeah, it's not a, it's not generating a lot of heat. But yeah, it was uh, anyway. I'm, I'm still, I'm still fascinated by my two, two, three train. I still thoroughly enjoy shooting it. It's really, uh, really good fun. Put a lot of rounds to it so far, and plenty more to go. Very good. Yeah, and then one. I was going to ask you, Andrew, what has it? The DTA. Have you got that yet? Or? No, I haven't. Haven't sorted it yet. I've got a few other things that are sort of on my plate at the moment, but. Um, mm. Yeah, the more people slag me off, the more it sets my mind that that's what I'm going to get. So, um, yeah, yeah there's no, a lot of haters, isn't there? There is, but, but you know, people. It's, it's more sure, a looks thing, isn't I'm it? I'm sure when cars first came around, people were like, "No, yeah. horses are going to be it forever." It's so, Holden Commodore argument. <laughs> yeah, although, although you know, it's sort of like putting the horse behind the cart, isn't it? What more along the lines? Shut I can't up. give you a hard time because I like them. I like the Desertics. I think they're yeah, uh, I like them. They, I know they yeah. shoot well, and uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't need to, to justify myself to people who are not going to listen. But uh, <laughs> I guess if you're listening to the podcast, you're already listening. So <laughs> no, I mean, look, the system's pretty solid. I, I'm, I think what I'm probably going to go for, George, will be the the covert model. Yep. Um, Look at probably getting one or two factory barrels and then uh, getting a number of uh, the barrel extensions, fitting my own barrels. So what's the difference between the Covert and the SRS? Basically just a shorter forend. Um, forend, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you can get a 16-inch 308 barrel. Yep. Which I think under South Australian law, you need to have a muzzle brake on it to make it long enough. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, overall length, that is. It's... Uh, I think that model with a 16-inch barrel is about the same length as an MP5, 9mm. It'd be pretty good to throw around the cab of yeah, yeah, well that's, lighting and whatnot. That's yeah. the idea. You know, yeah. like, and, you know, given that it's a bullpup, you know, your brass actually stays in the cab rather than going out yeah. the window. And, and, and besides the point, they're, they're accurate, they're interchange, you know, the, mm, the yeah. interchangeable barrels, are, it's all solid, everything works, mm. return to zero is good. Yeah, can't can't argue with the accuracy that every single one I've seen shoot shoots really really well. Yeah, really yeah. well. So, yeah, I haven't actually haven't taken the next step yet, but it's yeah, I said every time someone says a negative comment, it just inspires me more. <laughs> every time someone says something negative, he puts ten dollars aside and goes, "I'm getting closer." Yep, I'm getting damn closer. right. Like a swear jar. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's my DTA jar. <laughs> and the good thing is the wife wouldn't have any idea what DTA is. <laughs> That's called a slush fund. Well, well <laughs> neither would neither would I because it's called a desert deck now. I'm just yeah, wondering for yes. you to catch up. I can call it a DTA. <laughs> desert tech arms. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, I haven't done anything more yet, Greg, but uh, Greg, George. <laughs> yeah, nice, man, nice. Well, guys, unless there's any other questions or comments or things people have done recently, no, no, I, uh, um, I, I, I'd like to say how good is it when you see someone who's sort of getting into it and they, they like sort of it all clicks for them. Um, you guys would have seen that. You get a shooter who's sort of along the path, along the path, and then bang, it all clicks, and um, and it just. Yeah, groups tighten up and the distances extend and they just start putting, rather than sort of hitting a target from time to time, they put groups on targets and, you know, just, I guess, just want to encourage people to get, get others out there, get them out and, uh, and you know, try and work with them to, to help them hit more targets mm. and get on targets. And another yeah. thing I've noticed too lately is um, because there's a lot of information out there, guys are achieving that in a lot less time than it took yep. me to achieve it. Yes. Uh, like a couple of years they're coming out and they're, they're shooting real well. You know, and it, mm. you know, I spent a lot of years at the game before it all sort of really clicked well. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's such good information and training these days, so it's good to see. Yeah, just availability too of of suitable equipment these days. I mean, even ten, fifteen years ago, you know, you had to look hard to find suitable scopes and you know, suitable barrels and yep. everything. Mm. Really, I mean, now it's all there and available. Ready to roll. And and I guess like you sort of touched on, it's it's a sport or from what I've seen, even at, you know, on the competition sort of side of things, guys are very, very willing and eager to help the, the, the less experienced shooters out, you know, to the degree where we saw, you know, the, the winner of the PRI hand his prize over to one of the you know, inexperienced guys so that he could have a chronograph to use, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. It, it It's not from what I've seen a sort of a snobby exclusive kind of sport. So mm. certainly guys that are you know interested from what I've seen, you know, if you're prepared to listen to, to the guys that know what they're talking about, there's there's a wealth of information and guys are prepared to hand it out. I think uh, yeah, I've, I spoke to a guy today um, who I, don't, I know does listen to this uh, show and um, and he gave me a call and we were just chatting and he said he missed out on getting into the um, the PRS. He's on the wait list, although perhaps if Crispy uh, can't walk, he might get that spot. But um, But he's planning to go there anyway. He's planning to get up there anyway, um, and he said, "Mate, I'll help out wherever I need to." Um, but I just want to be around and learn and watch and all that sort of gear. And yeah, you know, obviously the attitude of that is uh, is awesome to see. Do you know whether they've filled all the range officer positions? Uh, nope, not specifically. It's certainly uh, happy to take a few more. Um, yeah, you you coming up? Are you, Greg? Oh no, I'm just thinking. You know. Just for those that are interested, probably the you know the guys that have been around a bit, there's still opportunities to get involved. I guess is is more what I'm coming across with. Yeah, yeah, lo- love to have and particularly uh, spectators to come up and watch the watch it as well. If you want to get around those guys and get to know um, people, would be it would be perfect, be wonderful. Yeah, awesome. All right, guys. Well, Crispy, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Uh, thanks time. for having me. No, no problems. And um. And guys, Greg and Andrew, thanks for coming in and chatting away. And um, look forward to doing it again. Cheers. No worries. All good. We'll see some of you guys in Melbourne and uh, and others not. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Good way to finish the podcast. Yeah, well done. Edit awesome. That out. <laughs>
not a chance. Cheers, guys. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Scoped Out Shooting Optics and Accessories.